Hi, I'm Bradley Brownell, and this is 10 and 2, the show that helps you get a grip on the world of cars. This week, we're going to chat about winter weather driving and what you can do to prepare for it. As usual, I'll bring you an interesting story about cars, and you bring me your questions. Listen to the show every other week on KWNK in Reno, jalopnik.com, all over the world, or download the show wherever you get your podcasts. Email questions to ask10n2 at gmail.com, all spelled out A-S-K-T-E-N-A-N-D-T-W-O, or call in with your questions to 775-266-8376. Winter is well and truly upon us, folks. We've had our fill of turkey, and everyone is wishing Merry Yuletide. All over the country, little white flecks of frozen water have begun falling from the sky, coating the northern sections of the world in a glorious, gorgeous, fluffy coating of sparkling, shimmery frosting. Don't eat the lemon frosting. A nice coating of snow and ice makes everything look incredible, like it's straight out of a fairy tale. That is, until it comes time to drive in it. While trees and houses and fields are beautiful, undisturbed, white wonderlands, the roads become grimy and gray in no time at all. Salt, road debris, worn rubber from tires, exhaust soot, it all conspires to make the highways and byways of your life a disgusting place to be. The roads of America in December are a real nightmare before Christmas, and there's no jack to save you, Sally. So after years of experience driving in the stuff, I thought today would be a great opportunity to impart with you, dear listener, the collected wisdom of my life's experience, as well as help from a few dozen of my closest friends on Twitter.com. We have combined for you here a compendium of winter driving knowledge, whether you're planning to forge your way across the country on the interstate or simply make it into work in whatever hamlet you call home. Hopefully this comprehensive conversation will get you pointed in the right direction and give you enough grip to keep it pointed that way. Obviously, if you spend your winters in Miami, Florida or San Antonio, Texas, you may not need any of this information as your daily routine means sunshine and dry roads. But, as a recent snowstorm in Atlanta, Georgia proves, even the South gets snow sometimes. And here in Reno, Nevada, we definitely need to know these skills to keep ourselves and our cars intact. It may not snow down here in the valley every day, but you're bound to need to cross Donner Pass at least once this winter, right? Well, listen up class, we're about to go to winter driving school. First lesson, how to drive in snow and ice. There are many different variables at play in cold winter weather driving. The biggest and most important variable is grip and traction. We'll get to tires later, but right now we're going to discuss the best driving practices. You need to learn the skills to keep yourself righted in the worst conditions. You may not have taken a physics class in high school, I know I didn't, but driving a 3,000 pound or more automobile can be quite literally a crash course in rudimentary bodies in motion. The big thing you need to wrap your head around is weight transfer and balance, which you control with your throttle and brake pedal. The first rule of driving in the winter is don't. Seriously. It's the most dangerous time of the year out there on the roads. If there is snow and ice all over the roads and you absolutely don't need to be anywhere, stay home. It's warm in there and your chances of crashing your car are seriously diminished if you don't drive it anywhere. The second rule of winter driving is take your time. 
slow down a little bit, and you'll be better prepared to stop, change direction, and avoid something that could otherwise end with you in a ditch or wrapped around a tree. Patience, as they say, is a virtue, and hospital and car insurance bills are expensive. The most important thing I learned about winter driving can easily apply to summer driving as well. Being late is better than never showing up. Another very important rule is keeping your eyes up. You want to be able to look as far ahead of you as you can to anticipate what is to come. Your eyes can give you advance warning of a particularly bad section of road, stop cars ahead, animals crossing, or obstacles in the road. This is important at all times of year, but especially so when your braking distances are lengthened by slippery stuff on the ground. A common misconception is that anti-lock brakes will help you stop quicker in the snow, but that's not actually true. The purpose of ABS is to allow you to maintain control of the car's steering when it's wet and snowy. As I said before, weight transfer is a big part of winter driving. When you push down on the throttle, you can feel the weight of your car shifting backward, and when you press on the brake, you can feel the weight of the car shifting forward. More throttle means more of the weight of the vehicle is on the rear tires, more brake means more of the weight of the vehicle is on the front tires. More weight, in terms of what we're talking about today, means more grip on that set of tires. In general, you want to avoid abrupt weight transfer as much as possible in winter driving. You've got to keep your inputs smooth and fluid. But there are times where weight transfer can work for you, like when you're already in a skid. If you're going around a corner and the back of the car starts to swing around, which is a common low-grip circumstance, your reaction is going to have to depend on what type of car you're driving. If you have an all-wheel drive or front-wheel drive car, you want to keep steady throttle, don't mash on the gas, and steer toward where you want to go. If you jump on the brakes or let off the throttle, you're transferring weight forward off of the rear wheels. The lighter they get, the more likely that slide is to turn into a spin. Conversely, if you have a rear-wheel drive car, you want to kind of do the opposite move. If the rear wheels are starting to drift wide, you can ease off the throttle, and the old adage applies here, steer into the skid. This will get the back of the car to settle down, and then you can sort out how to get back on your intended path. This method works by slowing down the rear wheels and giving them less weight to swing around. It also pushes more weight into the front wheels, giving them more grip to the tires doing the steering. Obviously, these are general rules, and no circumstance is exactly going to play out the same way out in the real world. So just tr do your best to understand the physics of your own car in low-grip circumstances before you go out um, driving on the highway or, or even around the neighborhood. Get warmed up to the idea of how your car operates. Um, generally, a good idea is to take it to an empty parking lot that's already been snowed on and try to figure out where grip goes first. Um, it's also going to depend on things like your tire condition, um, how, how the weather actually is. <laughs> if it's ice, if it's snow, things will react differently. So um, definitely, uh, as usual, your mileage may vary. For the most part, keeping your tires pointed at concrete or asphalt will provide the most grip. The time to keep an eye out for ice is in the morning or evening after the sun goes down. As tires move on snow when the sun is out, it will melt in sections and you'll have wet or slushy roads. When the sun goes down and it gets colder, that wet and slush will freeze again into glare ice. 
Snow will always have more grip than ice, and wet concrete will have more grip than snow. Pay attention to what surface you're driving on. That'll help you out the best. Something to keep in mind is that four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive isn't the most important thing for getting through winter. While four-driven wheels provides you better traction for moving away from a stop, it won't help at all when it comes to slowing down your car. Your big four-wheel drive truck or SUV isn't going to stop any better in snow and ice conditions if you don't have good tires. In fact, because it typically weighs so much more than your average sedan, it'll revert to that high school physics lesson and actually take much longer distances to come to a stop. Lesson number two, here's what you need to know about tires. Tires, for the most part, are a pretty boring topic. Most people don't want to think about them at all. You just go to whatever tire shop and uh, get whatever fits, right? Well, sometimes you need to think about it because those four donuts on each corner of your car are really the most important thing when it comes to winter driving. Your tires are the only thing that connects you to the road. You need to think in terms of contact patch. Whenever you're driving, you and several thousand pounds of iron and steel are only touching the ground through four tires. Each tire only actually touches the road with a patch of rubber about the size of your palm, give or take. The difference between all-season tires and winter tires is night and day. There are many differences in the construction of a winter tire and a traditional all-season. It's far too complex and nuanced to really cover here on the radio, but just know that there are three major differences which make a winter tire better prepared to handle inclement weather. First, a winter tire is constructed from a much softer rubber compound. As the temperature drops, rubber gets harder and less pliable, so if you want to experiment, go put a pencil eraser in the freezer for a while and get a feel for just what temperature does to rubber. It'll get hard, it'll get brittle. A summer or all-season tire becomes much stiffer and less able to transmit drive traction to the road. This is true even if there isn't any snow or ice on the surface. An all-season tire won't even grip as well on a paved surface as a winter tire would if the temperatures drop below 40 degrees or so. Second, winter tire treads are designed in a way to not only evacuate slush and ice from the surface of the contact patch, but push down through the snow and ice to find traction on the pavement. There's definitely a secret science to it that, uh, maybe a black art, that you want to generally have a narrower tire in the winter because that will allow you to crunch down through the snow and actually get grip on that pavement. Um, obviously, it's going to depend on the car, talk to a professional, get a really good opinion on on which tires, uh, winter tires belong on your car. Third, winter tires have hundreds of little slits in the surface of the tire called sipes that help provide more biting edges for the tire to help propel you forward or dig in in a panic stop. Winter tires help in all situations when the weather gets nasty, be it acceleration, braking, or cornering. If you live in a climate where the temperatures regularly drop below 40 degrees, and if you have the storage room and budget for it, the best practice is to purchase a second set of wheels for your car fitted with winter tires. If you can't afford a second set of tires or don't have space to store them, then the best thing you can do is to make sure to check the depth of your tread on your all-season tires. 
When dealing with winter weather, the best move is to have as much tread as you can, and if your tires are worn, not only will acceleration be limited, but it could mean the difference between stopping safely and stopping your car with the rear bumper of someone else's car. Let's talk briefly about studs. Okay, so in certain states you're allowed to use a winter-specific tire with hundreds of tiny little metal spikes inserted into the tread. Rubber can only do so much when the roads get icy, but a small tungsten carbide bit can dig down into the ice to keep you pointed in the right direction. Not all winter tires are studdable, and there is an additional cost to add studs to the ones that are studdable. You may have heard cars with studded snow tires because they sound like they're driving on gravel as they creep by you in the grocery store parking lot. There are disadvantages to studded tires, however, because studded tires are really only advantageous in icy or hard-packed snow conditions. Anything short of extreme winter conditions, say when the roads are dry or wet or lightly snowy, can have a negative effect on stopping distances. I've used studded tires before, and they're great for ice, but not so great everywhere else. Unless you are regularly traversing icy roads, stick to a traditional winter tire. Also, it's important to check your local laws, but here in Nevada, studded snow tires are only legal for use between October 1st and April 30th. Some states have them completely outlawed. Lesson number three, how you should prepare yourself for winter driving. The best way to prepare for winter driving is mentally. A good winter driver anticipates the situation before it even happens. You need to focus as much of your mental energy as possible on predicting where the bad luck can come from. Keep your eyes up. Keep your eyes on the road. Do not use your cell phone while driving. No, not even to peek at that text. Driving is always dangerous, but winter driving is particularly so. Don't give bad luck a head start. Aside from that, always wear warm clothes because you never know how far you might need to walk if you break down, wear a coat, and bring a hat and gloves, even for short trips. And charge your phone before you leave, or leave it on the charger while you're driving. You never know when that phone might come in handy. Lesson number four, how you should prepare your car for winter driving. Winter is not only more difficult to drive in, but it's also much harder on your car. Things like batteries and cooling systems don't really like to sit out in sub-zero conditions all night. Make sure you have the right oil for your car for winter. Check the owner's manual to see which viscosity is appropriate for the temperatures you'll be driving in. Make sure your battery is fairly new. After four or five years, most car batteries are entirely unreliable. Invest in a new battery after three years or so of use. You can have your battery tested at any auto parts store to see if it is in the early stages of failure and replaced if necessary. Here in Reno, the overnight lows to mid-afternoon highs are a daily cycle of pain for your battery, and I've seen batteries fail in this climate within just a couple of years. Make sure your car's cooling system is up to snuff. It may sound counterintuitive, being that everything is so cold, but cars can easily overheat in the cold if, for example, your radiator is packed with snow and ice and road debris. Keep the radiator clear and make sure all of your hoses and connectors are still in good condition. Rubber degrades over time, so giving them an annual once-over is never a bad idea. Lights, lights, lights! It's almost time for Christmas, so make sure that your car shines as bright as your tree. Headlights are extremely important. 
So if the plastic housings have yellowed, make sure you get a headlight restoration kit and follow the instructions closely. If there are any bulbs burn out anywhere on your car, make sure they get replaced ASAP. This is important year-round, but the last thing you want is to have your taillights burned out in a blizzard. Our next lesson is how to protect your car against rust. I was actually out on my motorcycle today behind a state salt truck going up and down Mount Rose Highway, and uh, I got coated in a nice thin layer of salt. It's, uh, it's great for preventing ice, but not so great for motorcycles and humans. So um, it's also really bad for your car. State road commissions will spread salt out on the road because salt prevents the road from freezing. It's great for the short-term safety of motorists, but it can be really nasty on the components of your car. Salt can cause your vehicle to start rusting out prematurely, and there's really only one way to prevent rust, and that's never driving your car in wet conditions at all, ever. The best move, if that isn't an option, is to keep it clean and free of debris. Spending a few hours giving your car a proper once-over every fall before winter sets in and every spring after winter is over will go a long way to keeping it clean for years to come. I grew up in Michigan, and that taught me a lot of rust-proofing tricks. Here's the probably too intensive process that I've been known to do in the past. Both in the fall and in the spring, get your car up on jack stands. Take off the wheels and remove the plastic wheel liners. Remove any rocker or fender trim if it's removable. Some SUVs and wagons have plastic cladding on the fenders that is held on with adhesive, so that can't come off without replacing it. Just get it as clean as you can. Once all of that is off, pressure wash the entire underside of the car. This will help you clear out all of the road debris from seasons gone by. Then you can make sure to track down the car's drain holes and blow those out with compressed air. Things like roof rack drains or sunroof drains can get clogged with leaves and debris and end up rotting from the inside out. Then you'll have things like leaks show up in your car. Sunroof leaks are never fun to deal with. You don't want to deal with that, trust me. Once that's done, you can do a normal soap and water hand wash and wax. That will keep your paint clear and ready to protect against a winter of nastiness. Once all of that is dry, spray down the underside of the car with a rust inhibitor spray. There are dozens of brands available out there, and I won't make a recommendation as to which one is the best, so try them out. Let me know what you think. Make sure to get all over the entire underside of the car. You want to get up in the wheel wells, you want to get any nooks and crannies in there, make sure that that rust doesn't have a place to stay. And, as they say in workshop manuals, installation is the opposite of removal. Next lesson, things you need in your car. It's always a good idea to prepare for an emergency, especially considering the remoteness of some of the mountain roads in the areas around Reno. I would consider keeping the following items in your trunk in order to survive everything the winter will throw at us. First, a folding shovel to dig yourself out of a ditch if the worst happens. A snow and ice scraper. Obviously, you need to clean your car off after a snowfall. A flashlight and some road flares to help make yourself more visible on the side of the road at night if you get stuck. A battery jump pack. These are now lightweight and compact to allow you to jump your own battery in the middle of nowhere without relying on the possibility of finding a kind stranger with jumper cables. 
Keep a charged up battery pack for your cell phone in the glove box or center console. If your car dies, your phone just might be the only thing to save your butt. But it can't do that if it also has a flat battery. Check your spare tire to make sure it's still in good condition. Inflate it if you need to. Winter can be harsh on tires, and getting a flat in a snowstorm is about as bad as it can get. The only thing that's worse is having a spare that isn't ready to get you into town. A first aid kit, just in case you or someone else gets hurt. Even if you're not involved, having a pair of scissors or bandages could help someone else if you're the first to arrive at the scene of an accident. And just in case you end up stranded somewhere in a cold whiteout overnight, it's a very good idea to keep a warm sleeping bag, a spare coat, and maybe a couple of protein bars. Don't bother carrying a bottle of water because it will just freeze. If you do get stranded in the snow, eating some of it will help keep you hydrated. If you're stranded for a while, it's most important to stay fed and warm. If you get stuck in a ditch somewhere, bringing a bag of sand could help provide just enough traction to your driven wheels to pull you out of the ditch. Floor mats will work in a pinch, and if that doesn't work, carrying a tow rope might convince a good Samaritan to help yank you back onto the road surface. This one's a local lesson, but here's some things you need to know before you go over Donner Pass in the winter. Here in Reno, we have the unique problem that is crossing the Sierras on I-80. That particular ribbon of road ranges from pleasant to more treacherous than trekking the Arctic, depending on the day. From October to April, there are a variety of conditions that can occur, though usually it's a thick dumping of snow. When the weather gets particularly bad, the California side of the border will institute chain restrictions. I've had to chain up a handful of times across the pass in everything from a cargo van loaded with hundreds of pounds of stuff to a 50-year-old Porsche sports car. If you have the right chains and the right attitude, you can make it without a problem. Chains really shouldn't be driven any faster than 25 or 30 miles an hour. I've had chains explode on me and tear up the fender of my car, so definitely stick to that speed limit. On most chain control days, the limitation is for two-wheel drive vehicles. If you have all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive and the appropriate winter tires, you can make it across the pass without the need for chains. In particularly bad weather, the restriction will require chains for even cars with four driven wheels, but that's usually only in effect for a handful of minutes before the Department of Transportation decides to just close the road altogether. I've only seen this happen two or three times in the years that I've lived here, but keep in mind that it is possible. What tires does California's DOT consider appropriate to forego chains? Check your tire's sidewalls for a symbol which is known in the industry as three-peak mountain snowflake. This symbol, molded into the sidewall of your tire with the shape of a mountain range consisting of three snow-capped mountains, and then in front of these three mountains is a simple snowflake symbol. If you have this symbol, your tire is considered a snow tire in the eyes of the DOT, but doesn't necessarily fit the bill of a winter tire. Many all-season tires are just barely good enough to get the Three Peak Mountain Snowflake designation, but would still fall well short of the cold weather traction provided by a pure winter tire. So those are the lessons that I've provided for you this week. Um, feel free to chime in with some of your own. If you want to call in and leave those as a message, we can play them on the next show. That could be a little bit fun. 
So uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to move on to tips and tricks from everyone on Twitter. These are all, uh, I put out a call on Twitter last week. I'm at BC Brownell on Twitter if you want to get a chance to go check that out. And I put out a call for people to give me their best winter driving techniques. So here are some of those from the collected wisdom of all my friends on Twitter. At Bert Chalmers says, pretend like you're driving in a horror movie. When the road noise of your tires goes silent, that's when you really need to be careful with your movements. And he's right. <laughs> if you've ever been driving along, I mean, you know the sound of, especially on I-80 with those roads as torn up as they are, you know the sound of tire on road. It's a very low hum that gets louder when the road conditions get worse. So when you hear the sound of your tires get silent, that usually means you're either on slick ice or very thick snow. So um, just pay attention. Uh, at Robbie underscore DeGraff says, clear all snow and ice off of your windows. Blocked visibility out either direction is so dangerous. Also spend an extra few minutes and scrape all of it away. Same for the roof. People forget to clear snow off the roof, and once they're on the road, it flies off and blinds other cars behind. He's exactly right. Uh, especially here where we, you know, up in the mountains you can get 18 inches of snow in a weekend or more. Uh, if you're driving around with an 18-inch pile of snow on top of your car and that's frozen, then it comes off in one big thick sheet. Um I've actually seen entire windshields get broken from big hunks of ice that have fallen off of cars on the road. So pay attention to that. Make sure you clean it all off. Uh, It's best, obviously, to park in a garage if you have one. But if you're outside overnight, just make sure to scrape off the roof of your car. Brush it off with a big, big brush. At Benjamin L. Zikar. Buy a set of chains and learn to install them when the weather is nice. Also, lower your tire pressure if road conditions are bad. So this is a really good lesson. I've never actually done this myself, but I would say if you're going to learn to put chains on, the worst place to learn to put chains on is on the side of the road when it's already snowing. It's cold. It's wet. You don't want to be out there. I've done it. It's miserable. So before the weather gets bad... Spend the extra time to learn how they go on, and that will limit the amount of time you're stuck on the side of the road trying to get the chains on. Great idea. Love that. It's also safer. Uh, The less time that you're out of the car on a busy highway when it's nasty weather, the less chance there is for you to get hit or, you know, sideswiped or whatever. Um, Great idea. As for lowering your tire pressures, within reason. I would say, you know, don't go too far with it because um, it could really limit the amount of grip that you have because the lower your tire pressures are, it's going to basically be riding on the sidewalls of the tire and then the middle of the tire is going to kind of hump up and you're not going to get the, the grip from the middle of that tire. So while I understand what he's saying, basically you're spreading the, the face of the tire out like um, like you're rolling out dough, kind of, by lowering it a little bit, you're giving yourself a, a larger contact patch. That's uh, maybe good for, um, for 
icy and and really cold conditions but for snow it would probably not be great because then you would sit up above the snow rather than than breaking through it to the actual pavement so yeah i would say maybe only a few psi if you're gonna do that uh at cynical solid says a tupperware full of mortar powder um the stuff that you use for grout uh in your trunk will help get you unstuck from most places but in a pinch you can use your floor floor mats stuff them behind or in front of your wheels to get unstuck you'll launch them pretty far but it's usually good enough to get you rolling i've actually had to do that before uh, i recommend um putting them especially the ones with the, the little pokey undersides that stick down into the carpet you want to put that on the ground that'll help you get some traction in there it'll basically give your tire something to to grab onto instead of glare ice or thick snow um at hoonerific says cardboard on the windshield this is a really good one. They actually sell things that can go on your windshield to prevent the snow and ice from forming there. Uh, and then you just take the cover off. But cardboard is a great idea. It's cheap. You probably have a bunch of it available. Probably got a, a nice new TV for uh, you know Black Friday sale or, or for Christmas. So maybe keep that around and put your big screen TV cardboard box over your windshield at night when it's about to dump snow. Then in the morning, you can just remove the cardboard and the snow all comes with it. No ice, no nothing. Super easy. Uh, at Jason Dow says, refill at half tank, not a quarter tank. My Midwest parents taught me to be ready to either get out of a ditch or be able to survive a night in the car. So refilling at a half tank and not a quarter tank, um, that's a good idea because you never know when things are going to just shut down. Um, being stuck in traffic, being stuck with, uh, I was <laughs> last winter, um, I was stuck on, I, on, uh, highway 50 out of South Lake Tahoe or going into South Lake Tahoe from Sacramento. And, uh, they were, they were shooting cannons to clear out potential for avalanches. And I was stuck on the side of the highway for four and a half hours so you definitely want to be prepared in a situation like that. That was a little brutal, especially in a car that didn't have any heat. Um, that was that 40-year-old Porsche I was telling you about. So, um, yeah, you, you definitely want to make sure you have plenty of gas. You're not going to get stranded somewhere with, you know, an empty tank. And then as for um, either getting out of a ditch or being able to survive a night in the car, I would say you want to prepare for both. <laughs> Both eventualities are possible, especially with our nasty winters. Um, yeah, so I would say that the best thing to do there is have all of the stuff that I recommended earlier in the show in your car. Uh, if you're going to be trying to get out of a ditch, that's where you need stuff like a bag of sand or a shovel, stuff like that. Uh, if you're if you can't get out of the ditch, if you're just too far buried and you need to be able to survive a night in the car, that's when you need stuff like blankets, protein bars, um, an extra coat, gloves, hat, that kind of stuff. Uh, I was, uh, when I first moved here, I was driving a white Audi and I was out 
in the middle of the the mountains and man it was the worst whiteout i've probably ever seen even since i moved here it's probably the worst whiteout i've ever seen and um i had the thought that i'm in a white car and there's big drop-offs if i go off one of these hills nobody's going to be able to see me (laughs) in the in the ditch so I'm going to have to end up staying there overnight. So that definitely gave me the mindset of I'm not prepared to spend the night here. I need to drive really carefully. So definitely keep an eye on how you're driving. Definitely keep an eye on keeping everything in your trunk to get out of the car if you need to. Uh, this is perhaps my favorite one. At jcreach3 on Twitter says uh, slow hands, to which at... Uh, ETD Weasel replied, drive like Eric Clapton. (laughs) Yes. Give him the old slow hands. Uh, DJ Steve McQueen says, hot take time. For most people, all-wheel drive is worse in snowy climates than two-wheel drive. It gives a false sense of security that isn't backed up by worn out all seasons and doesn't help you turn or stop. It makes it easier to get into a bad situation and then leaves you on your own. I actually really like this. As I said earlier, all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive won't help you slow down in bad weather. It'll, it might help you accelerate. Um, it, it'll mask the situation because you may not be stuck at an intersection trying to accelerate your way up to speed. Uh, because the the four driven wheels will find traction and get you on your way. But having that all-wheel drive doesn't make it brake any quicker and in fact actually makes the car a little heavier so then your physics lesson comes on. At Oliver Cocker says don't be tight with the windscreen wash. I I definitely agree with this. Um one thing to be really cognizant of here in uh Reno is some of the windshield wiper fluid that you can buy here isn't rated low enough for sub-zero temperatures. Um, a lot of it, you know, you have to actually look at the bottle when you get to the gas station or, or the grocery store or wherever you're buying your windshield washer fluid. Um, you have to actually read the bottle and see what, what temperature it's rated for because it may not have the, the strong enough chemical to melt the ice on your windscreen. So um, if you're going to be in snowy and icy conditions, the stuff that says 32 is just going to freeze to your own windshield and make the situation far worse than it already was. So definitely pay attention to your windshield wiper fluid. That is vitally important in this con- these conditions. Um, at Drew's NVH says, my dad's advice to always know where you want to ditch has come in handy. Wow. Uh, this was actually one of the things that I learned in my driving courses when um, I was a teenager. Knowing you're out is very important. Knowing where is safe or safer to run a car off the road if you have to. Say, for example, someone spins in front of you and you don't want to hit that car. Obviously, you don't want to hit that car. Uh, you may s- try to swerve to avoid them and going into a ditch or onto the soft shoulder or whatever, you want to know where your options are at all times. So obviously 
something like a bush is, is going to be a lot lighter than an impact with a tree or a guardrail, something like that. So the thing that I've always preached is, along with keeping your eyes up to look for where the car needs to go in in a straight line on the road, you also need to pay attention to the sides of the road, where cars are around you, use your mirrors, use everything that you've got to keep the car safe, or more importantly, yourself safe. Cars have insurance. Uh, people have insurance, but it hurts a lot more when they, when you have to use it. So, yeah, knowing knowing where you want to end up if you have to swerve or spin is very helpful because it could save your life. <laughs> so, so pay attention to what's on the sides of the road. Try to avoid impacts with hard objects. You want to try to hit the stuff that's soft. If there's a mattress on the side of the road, aim for that. Um, at CP Autoscribe says, <laughs> okay, I lied. This is the best uh, advice for driving in the winter. I should have just used this uh, to start the show, and it would have been a one-minute show. Assume all motorists sharing the road with you are driving on bald tires while looking at their phones, and they're all Floridians. <laughs> vitally important um i ride a lot of motorcycles this is my mantra while i'm riding to stay safe is just assume everyone's out to kill you try and keep your distance pay attention to where everyone else is going um try to predict flows of traffic to find the right gaps and stay out of people's way and that's just the the best option is just keeping everything as smooth and fluid and away from everyone else as you can. Um, if you keep those things in mind, everyone else is out to kill you. It's fine if you're a little bit late as long as it doesn't mean you end up in the hospital. And keeping everything, you know, keeping your car prepared, keeping yourself prepared keep those things in mind and you should be able to make it through winter. No problem at all. Um, at the also says, uh, move to Southern Italy. I, I genuinely wish I could. That sounds great. So yeah, that's been our show. That's, uh, that's our, our advice for driving in the winter this year. So try and keep it, you know, hands on the wheel and, and, uh, as they used to say on the Dukes of Hazard, keep it between the ditches and shiny side up. So stay safe out there. 10 and 2 is hosted by me, Bradley Brownell. As always, you can find my written work every day at jalopnik.com, which is definitively the greatest car site in the world. I also run the show at flatsixes.com, a blog about Porsche, and I have a weekly electric car column at evpulse.com. I'm also one of the co-founders of Radwood, an automotive festival celebrating everything radical to come out of the 1980s and 1990s. Email your questions to ask10and2 at gmail.com, all spelled out A-S-K-T-E-N-A-N-D-T-W-O. Or call in with your questions to 775-266-8376. That's 775-266-8376. 
This episode was produced by Bradley Brownell. Editing by Thomas at KWNK. Promotional consideration from listeners like you has made this show possible. Please visit kwnkradio.org to support Reno Community Radio. Go to jalopnik.com to read, enjoy, and comment on all of my articles. Shout out to the Tappet Brothers. Thanks for listening. I'll see you around the bend.